some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. So glad to be back with you. Hopefully you had an amazing week, or if you're just, this is a place for you to unwind, feel safe, and also get a chance to get a little closer to God. Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. How are you? If I were any better, there'd be trouble. I'm feeling feisty. The same thing. It'd be illegal, right? That's what I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling feisty today, so watch out. <laughs> oh, it is. It's because the blonde's back. Blondes have more fun, right? That still applies. Well, I'm still running on my record that I haven't worn the same wig twice. Okay. And we've done a lot of podcasts. It's, I'll say, you've got way more wigs than I ever imagined, so <laughs> you surprised me. Well, unfortunately, we got to start with some really sad, scary, upsetting, crazy news because we're not going to avoid it. Yep. Tim Ballard, who was the subject of the incredibly wonderful film called Sound of Freedom, which has the best child acting I think I've ever seen in a movie, very touching movie with Jim Caviezel. He left his job with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to rescue kids. We know that. He has resigned from the organization that he founded amid allegations of sexual misconduct among the female cohorts or decoys that have gone with him on missions to rescue children. Mm -hmm. Among the allegations that he would say things like, hey, if you really want it, and I'm paraphrasing, and it may not even be true, so there's that. Hey, if you want to shower with me, it'll make us really that much more convincing as husband and wife. And if you really care about the threats thrown in, if you really care about trafficked children, you're going to really get into this. And one woman allegedly has pictures of him in his underwear and of tattoos that we shouldn't be seeing, you know. So there's that. So it's it's just terrible, right? Well, he's responded in a kind of odd way, I think, because he he said there are allegations out there. He doesn't say he didn't do them. He doesn't really address them. He just says in the future, watch out because I'm going to have female decoys that are heroines because they're going into dangerous situations. They're going to talk about their experience doing that, and I'm going to highlight it. Obviously, he's not going to choose one's that are accusing him of something. So as we get into this, we have to talk about it because we've got pastors and leaders of Christian organizations that are human and they fall and they do things. And I think it makes the devil really happy. And I think it makes those that don't believe say, oh yeah, look, another one bites the dust. There's that. But there's also, if you look at the other part of it, accusations are sometimes false against someone for whatever reason. And we don't know the truth yet. There hasn't been a trial. There hasn't been a decision. It's just brewing your thoughts. Yeah. Well, I mean, as someone that firsthand has seen his own ministry blown up because I didn't protect myself enough from rumors and then later 
things that did brew into something like you feel like, oh, no, that could never happen. And then you don't protect yourself, whether that be through prayer or accountability or whatever. And maybe that's what this needs. Maybe he's not guilty. Maybe it's just, you know, sometimes things because I will say as someone who has a flirty attitude or demeanor, however you want to say it, I know that there are times that I could say things that might come off as if I'm flirting with someone and they might be offended when really I'm just being a bubbly extroverted personality. But by being aware that I can come across in that manner, I dial it back, especially with other women or if I'm meeting someone for the first time or if my wife is with me, like I do not want to give any opportunity for something to be insinuated that first of all, I would never want to insinuate, but also not to even give the enemy a chance to be able to wiggle their way into something that if nothing else to discredit you, which is what I ultimately, I fear for this guy is that he's, he's going to be discredited even with allegations, just because whether anything's ever proven or if there's, you know, money under the table that, you know, gets some, some hush stuff going on at the end of the day, it's compromised already. And that's the part that hurts me the most because I've, I've seen that I've been a part of that. And I think hopefully it's a reminder to pastors and other ministry liaisons, get that accountability around you, get, you know, make sure that you have the proper structure around you prayerfully so that the enemy can't come after it. Cause once something is discredited, especially early on in a ministry, when it's in its infancy and you, whether you're doing marriage ministry or you're doing trafficking or whatever, I mean, and you've probably seen this firsthand, you know, being in trafficking ministry, the opportunities for people to insinuate that somehow you're involved, you know, and, and it's, you, you have to be able to close that down with like an eight tier of other, you know, like-minded ministry minded people to go, Oh no, that is totally not what's been happening. I was there. This is how it went. So that way, even in the smallest of allegations, you have someone with a strong reputation that people go, okay, sorry, didn't mean to accuse you. But if it did happen and he's saying things like that, yeah, he's going to have to be held accountable. And all I will say to that is that God will not let something remain in the shadows for too long. So it will come to the surface because someone will have the proof or God will just lift the veil back and go, here's the truth. It, it, it's happened to me. It's happened to many that I know. It's happened to those in the public eye. I mean, we've seen it. So when that's been exposed, it's not because, ha ha, they got caught. No, it's because God said, no more are you going to misrepresent me. And, and, and it's also a way of, not to get on this for the whole show today, but it really is important to think about not putting yourself in a compromising situation so that <clears throat> no one can uh, not only accuse you, but so that you don't dance so close to that line of inappropriateness that you trip over it, you know? And then you, and then before you, and it doesn't take long for you to go, how did I get into this? And you need to be able to, to be so far from the line that that doesn't happen. Well, when I was on staff at my church, there were many rules, you know, I was single and couldn't travel with married men alone somewhere. I mean, there were many barriers against something that could go wrong yeah. when you're a decoy and you're undercover and someone's acting like your spouse, I suppose that line gets blurred. And so 
I just hope, as you said, that the truth is revealed and that healing can happen, whatever the truth is. Well, the truth is that something extraordinary is happening in Ohio. Just one more mention of terrible news, really. In Cleveland in a month, think about this. In Cleveland in a month, 30 kids, 30, not two, 30 went missing. In Something's wrong in Ohio. One thousand kids. I, I just, I, this is so extraordinary. One thousand kids are reported missing this year in Ohio. Thirty in the Cleveland area in one month. Where are these children? Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Yeah, and and I know especially. I mean, and again, you know, you've worked in trafficking ministry for over a decade, so you probably could speak more into this than I can. But no. The the thing that I was so shocked of in working alongside of you for the short window that I was there is how people are from other states coming to where you are. And because it, it's not that people from here are being trafficked. If they are, they're being trafficked somewhere else. So the people don't know them. They can't find them. All that stuff that's happening. So I don't I really don't want to think about what's what's really going on or where these kids might be. Um, but I just pray that they can be found and be brought home. I do too. And I don't know how Ohio is going to get a handle on it, but something has got to change. Some parents are rising up and saying, we have to have federal help. We have to have, yep. this needs to be highlighted. Our kids are, are missing and it's yeah. triple what it normally is there. So something is going on. So let's talk about something happy. Please. <laughs> Shall we? How yes. to make your heart happy. That sense of happiness, you know, research shows, number one, it's all about your relationships with God and with others, mm-hmm. that those relationships, if those are in good shape, yeah. that for the most part, you're going to be happy. It's not about money. It's not about things. Mm-mm. It's not about any of that. It is first and foremost, your relationship with others and also with yourself, loving yeah. yourself as scripture tells you to do. And being involved in some pretty good self-care. Well, and I love too, when you surround yourself with good people, then it's also a reflection of you and your heart, because it's easy for us to go, well, nobody likes me. And I mean, you know, look at the, uh, how can these people really like me? They clearly must. There, There is something that you are radiating into their life that's positive, which is why you guys are in that circle. But also the thing about happiness is it is a happenstance. So we've talked about joy on the show before, and I I always feel like it's worthy that when you're trying to have a happy heart, it's by having a joyful position as to how you look at the things around you, the people around you, the opportunities around you, and then being thankful. It's that attitude of gratitude that helps you to stay in that happy heart mindset. Discovering your purpose, pursuing personal growth, always be changing and growing. I think that keeps life really good and avoiding negativity are always that we can have a happy heart. Well, a happy heart begins with calling Birmingham Mortgage Group. You're going to go, oh, that ace. He told me to call Taren Newell. <laughs> I called Taren Newell and now we're the best of friends. It's mm-hmm. happened to where uh, some of my buddies talk to him more than I do. Oh, wow. And they love him. They just yeah. call to talk to him. He is going to get you in the most marvelous house, the house of your dreams, without it costing you an arm and a leg. 
Yeah. Well, and the great thing is tell him your, your circumstances. Hey, this is my credit score. This is my, you know, debt load. This is my, you know, family situation. We're in, you know, a little shack with a bunch of kids on the way. Help me. And, <laughs> and he'll help you. He, he, he can't find the house, but he can find the programs that can help you be able to afford the house that God needs for you so that you can move in and be ready. And, and then as you're looking, you can have four or five. It's not just the one, but even once you narrow it down, Teren's got the programs to help make that happen. So check it out today. Go to behammortgage.com or call them at 205 259 1656. The results of a stunning survey, one in four adults are estranged from their parents. And this is a recent survey. And so we look at why adult children and their parents don't get along. Here are some of the reasons. Differing expectations. Mommy and daddy thought you would grow up and do X, Y, and Z, and you didn't. And there's a tension there. Yeah. And also, too, because I've faced this with my own parents is the expectation because, you know, when we were kids, you had like Sunday lunches as families or, you know, once a month you got together because it was somebody's birthday or whatever. And those are those are gone. Right. We're all moving in different directions. So sometimes I think the rubbing in weird ways is because your parents are expecting you to come over a certain number of times a month or a week or whatever it is. <laughs> and if you don't have those conversations, there's an unmet expectation. So then there's the tension. So you have to break that tension and go and, and just ask lovingly, what do you expect from me? Like, just ask them that. What, 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 what is a good, reasonable amount of time for us to see each other or to go to lunch or, you know, grab a glass of wine or whatever it is, you know, have the, have that discussion. So that then you can go, okay, I can meet that, you know, or I can't meet that, or I can do every six weeks, you know, I mean, talk it through. And then when there are those things, like your kids are doing the performances at, you know, the auditorium, call them, Hey, grandma, there's a performance <laughs> on Thursday. Come on, you know, and then then you are seeing each other, even if only for those brief moments. But it's in the memory building moments that you're not missing out on. All right. Let me ask you a question then about that. Mommy sends a child, an adult child who will be my child when I'm old. OK. Mm -hmm. When you send a text, what should be the time limit to where you get a text back, in your opinion? As someone who texts his daughters, his adult daughters, and doesn't always hear back that day, you just hear from them when you hear from them. Whenever. Really? Is that your answer? That's my answer for my for my family. Now, every family's different, so love languages and communication is different because I know my girls are busy. They have adult lives now. They have boyfriends. Like, you know, there are things happening socially. You know, they're going to concerts, all that. So I know when I was that age, I didn't want to be hounded, you know, where are you? When are you coming home? Why didn't you return my call? Like, I, I that drove me crazy. I wouldn't want, I don't want to do that to them. Now for, you know, my 14 and 13 year old, like, yes, you better, if you're down the hall, you better respond to my message that said, go take a shower. You know, so that's a, that's a totally different, but I, I think, I think you, you know, each other's love language, because again, you have to remember what you were like at their age, what you were going through, even though times do change, you know, from where I was in my twenties in the you know late nineties 
to what my daughters are in their 20s in 2023, yes, there is a generation gap, so to speak. But with all the apps and social media that we have, you know, if they post a picture or something, I can like it and they know I'm thinking about them. If there's not a there's not a day that goes by that I don't whether they respond to my text or not, I always text them and say, "Hey, I love you. Good night." And sometimes they respond back, sometimes they don't. And if they don't, that's okay because again, I don't say it so you say it back. I say it cuz you know it. Oh, that's good. So, again, I I and that's what works for me and my girls. Try it, see how it goes. I I, I know you know. <laughs> Cause like if like I I know with my mom if she texts me if I can't text her right away, I will say hey I'm I'm in a meeting I'll text you I'll be out in an hour or I'll be done in fifteen minutes, because I know the dynamic with my mom she if nothing else just to keep my mom from spiraling to thinking that something had happened to me, you know yeah. an hour went by he didn't respond to my text something happened you know <laughs> no I'm not in a ditch mom I'm alive I'm right here. You know, Only so, once did I do something that was very passive aggressive, and it was after a while. I just put a stream of question marks, and that's not how you want to handle things. But oh well, I'm human. I haven't done that. A lot. I just try to do anything that doesn't make Thanksgiving turkey taste weird. Yes. So you know. Yes, that's a good idea. All right, breaking news out of Hollywood. Ugly Beauty is taking over. It's all the rage on TikTok. One of the Ugly Beauty videos mm -hmm. has 13 million views. So you say, what is that? It is ugly makeup. And it is truly ugly. The dewy natural look gone. Now it's overlined lips, smudged eye makeup, even smudged lip makeup. You know, I try not to have lipstick over here. No, that's right. the new mod happening thing and it looks it just looks ridiculous to me oh and under eye circles that's in style you've got to be kidding me you've uh, got to be kidding me i don't i don't hate it like i i i know that i wouldn't see my wife wearing her makeup like this so i don't have to worry about that but like <laughs> I'm of the mindset, you know, makeup and hair, express yourself that makes you feel confident so that you feel good about yourself. Now, hopefully you're not wearing makeup in a way that you're, you know, attracting the bad boys because that ain't good because he can stay on the front porch as far as I'm concerned. But, <laughs> you know, just make yourself because like I, I've had I've heard this conversation with my 14 year old talking to. Her mom about, you know, she didn't like her makeup from homecoming from last year, but she liked her makeup this year. Well, I mean, I'm a dude. I look at it and go, I don't notice the difference. <laughs> but if I say that, then I'm like, you know, how could you say that? You know, so I, I, I just like, you know, you're always beautiful to me, you know, and that's always my answer because it's true. You know, I, I'm one of those guys. I like less makeup, so it could be just a little something or you know, cause I'm an eyes guy, right? So if the eyes are popping, then I'm in. And so when my wife, you know, puts her makeup, I'm like, dang, babe, <laughs> Whew, I got to go to work now. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, so you do you. Maybe the ugly makeup trend is 
just something we can talk about that is brief. We'll see what happens. How to tell if something is written by AI. I think it's really important in this day where school essays, work emails, news articles, real estate listings are being written by, well, a computer. And chat GPT, which you started playing with, Wayne's mm -hmm. real familiar with it, you know, kind of had it doing tasks for us. But sometimes you would like to be able to tell if it's fake or someone real behind it. And there are ways that you can tell. Have you noticed the difference, Ace? I'm, I can't tell the difference, honestly. The, the, the thing that I will say that I can tell a difference is in artwork. So when AI has created a logo graphic or painting or, you know, or, or like the big thing right now is like the fan fiction stuff. So if someone's like, you know, do a poster of Batman and Darth Vader and AI will go and there it is. And you can look at it and there's just a certain kind of almost like you would, like if you were for those who are into art or, or someone who's into music, you know, okay, that's Eddie Van Halen's guitar sound or that's Picasso's, you know, brushstroke or whatever. So I think with art, it's a lot easier for me at least. But when it comes to words, I wouldn't know if someone sent me an email that AI generated or not. Well, they say there are several ways you can tell. It's oddly generic, repetitive writing, and some factual errors. Mm. Now, when AI is texting, they have that down. I mean, they do really realistic texting. But as far as writing, those are the three things that will show you it's AI. And I think that's important to know because sometimes you just want to know, is this yeah. real or not? And, well, and so I would and I would think like for especially for school teachers, like this would be like you would have to know the difference because a student it's clearly not going to be that articulate. Even the brilliant students are still going to have their errors and faux pas within their essays. So I would think, especially as a teacher, that's now's the time to really understand how AI dispenses that kind of information. So you're not giving an A to an AI instead of to the student <laughs> themselves. You know. We got Mrs. Smith. <laughs> an AI. Well, one thing we'll give an A to is the Roxanne blend of coffee. It's a blend of pecan, a little bit of caramel, and it just, it, it sounds like fall to me, but it's mm. good all year round. And I got to pick it out. It sends missionaries around the world to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. I'm very proud of it. The bag is beautiful. It has butterflies all over it because I love butterflies and I love pandas. But let's face it, butterflies and pandas didn't go together. <laughs> right. How do you capture that in a cup of coffee anyway? What does the panda taste like? But the thing that I will say, I love, I've heard this on more than one occasion when people are like, well, I don't want to just get the one. And then what if I don't like it? I go, okay, then get the sample package where there's multiple ones and then you decide and they always come back and go, you were right. The Roxanne blend was better. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you, I, you at least opened your palate. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> and it's all for a great cause. So go to mybrotherscup.com, click on the Roxanne blend. And as we go into gift giving season, keep that in mind for that picky person that loves coffee. Well, one thing I'm not fond of, snakes. I Same. just, and the thought of this, so I know you don't like them either. So the thought of this is just incredible. I don't know what's wrong with Ohio and Wisconsin, 
But Wisconsin, there's a place called Germantown, the Country Inn and Suites. They get to the pool area. What's in the pool? Snakes. They get to the whirlpool area, the hot tub. What's in there? Snakes. And then the guy goes in his room. He goes in the toilet. And what's in there? A snake. See, and the thing that's interesting is each of those is a different climate control. So is it the same kind of snake that just adapts to whatever the heat or comfort level is? Or what? But yeah, I, I would be uh, I will be checking out and <laughs> going to a Airbnb. Thank you. Good night. So their response to it is odd. They brought in experts who say, well, it was probably a mama snake that gave birth. And they think people, instead of distancing the snake, taking a live snake somewhere far, mm-hmm. they're just sort of scooching it out the door. Is scooch a word? But you know what I mean by sure. scooch. And then it it makes its way back in. Are you kidding me? Listen, I'm sunbathing in the backyard as a teenager, looking up into the trees, and there is a gigantic snake also sunbathing right above my head. And thank goodness my dad was home. And my dad didn't just scooch it out of there. My dad made sure it had one tragic last breath. Yeah. (laughs) Tragic. I had so my where my loathing of snakes comes from. It's not from watching Indiana Jones. Um, I <laughs> was dating a girl in high school that she had this really long driveway. She lived down in the middle of nowhere. And I went to pick her up for like homecoming or a date night or movie night or something. And there was a snake, a rattlesnake coiled up in the middle of the driveway. And of course, you know, my car ran over him, but not over him. So <gasps> So my first thought was, you know, could he like latch on to a moving car or whatever? So when I got up, I was like, okay, I looked and he was still there. (gasps) So I went in and told, I was like, hey, there's a rattlesnake in your driveway. And so her dad grabs like a shovel and goes down and, you know, chops the head off. So in my head, I have a chopped off cobra head story in my brain forever. And it, it just was gross. And like, you know, after the head was gone, there was still enough flowing in his body that he was trying to like bite him oh, and oh, blood what? was getting all over his hand. It was, it was weird. It's the closest no. to the snake I ever wanted to be. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I don't need <laughs> you in my life. You can go away. Serpent head and all. the latest snake incident. I'm at the reptile house at the zoo and a little kid thought it would be funny to throw out a fake snake onto the floor right by my feet. No, oh. that child would be in grounded mode. <laughs> I'm taking all your technology, kid. <laughs> Changing the Wi-Fi password. All of it. His dad laughed. I'm like, dude, um, nobody got hurt, but. Yeah. For Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, always love it, especially when the weekend's here. That means new movies, new ones that we need to be telling our friends about, taking our small groups to. And we're excited to tell you about a new one hitting theaters this weekend. Our guest is just phenomenal. I can't believe everything he's been able to do. An award-winning writer-director of the historical dramas, Paul, Apostle of Christ, Full of Grace, award-winning thrillers, The Frozen, Paul, the Apostle of Christ. He's worked with Jim Caviezel. He's worked with Greg Kinnear with his recent films. It is super exciting, but I love Duck Dynasty. I love the backstory behind it. 
but a lot of people aren't familiar with it. I've, I've had the joy of interviewing family members mm-hmm. uh, and I just feel a love as someone who's a Second Amendment gun-toting person <laughs> who loves hearing the backstory of Duck Dynasty and watching the show. I never missed it. I'm just really, really super excited about The Blind, the story that is opening based on Phil and Kay Robertson. I got to interview her at the Southern Women's Show mm-hmm. and fell in love with her. I wanted to take her home. She's awesome. <laughs> we welcome to the show, Andrew Hyatt. Hi there. Hey, thank you for having me. Great introduction. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so, Andrew, the thing I, I think I love about this is that People don't know the Robertsons outside of the beards and, you know, the, <laughs> the duck calls in their mouth. So you look you look at these early photos and, and even the casting like they look like a like a boy band. Like it's totally, <laughs> totally not what we when we think of the Duck Dynasty family, that that's where we're coming from. Amazing. Amazing. No. And, and um you know, I had watched Duck Dynasty as well, uh, my wife and I, and and over the years. And I don't know where in the translation I I sort of missed this amazing backstory to this family. And 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 truly, you know, without the events happening in the film as they do, you know, without the grace of God, uh, none of that happens. There's no Duck Dynasty. There's no duck calls. There's there's no family probably. So it's mm-hmm. it, it really is. Uh, yeah, just kind of mind blowing uh, uh, to to kind of just take it all in, right? Absolutely. So, how do you go about casting someone like Phil? I mean, that has to be kind of mind boggling. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, one of the things that when I came on to the project, it, it was, you know, you you want to do the story right. You want to, especially for people that are are with us and and you know have such a big brand and. And you definitely want to get those things right, um, because I don't know who I guess I'll find out, you know, years from now. But I don't know who I'm going to upset more if I screw it up. Is it Paul, the apostle <laughs> or is it Phil Robertson? Because yes. it's a toss up. So, <laughs> um, so you know, we just um, the heart of it was who was willing to embody, you know, this really deep. Um, difficult stuff that Phil went through, that this family went through. Um, and so we just opened it up and and the family, the producers, the financiers, they were so gracious from the very beginning. There was no, um, sometimes in films you get restrictions, you know, here's a list of the actors that we need to get, or, or we can get the financing if it's a certain level or this. They really just said, hey, find the best people. Just go out there and find the best. And um, And I think we did. I think they do a phenomenal job. Well, and you didn't just have to cast a Phil or a K. You had to <laughs> capture, you know, different times in their relationship. So did, were you looking for something that was kind of fluid throughout each of the actors? Or was it just no, you know, it's definitive based on where they are at this age in their life? You're totally, that's a great point. So, you know, we've got the young side, the young Phil, the young uh, Jan, the young K, and then the high school version. And then we've got the adult versions. Um, and so you're right. I think when you kind of reverse engineer it, you know, we knew that the, the really difficult stuff was kind of in our film present day, right? 19, 19, late 1960s, early 1970s. Um, and so when we found Aaron and Amelia, uh, we sort of reverse engineered from them, you know, mm. so, okay, who, 
you know, you do the very surfacey things. Okay, who who passes? Who looks like them? Yeah. At least close enough, right? But you're totally right. There, the, who's got the same spirit? Who's got the same? And you know, yes, we change as human beings throughout our lives. Yes, we grow and we we, we transform, and God transforms and all this. But there's still these things that, you know, these personality traits, right? That are mm-hmm. always that you could have spotted from Sai as a as a eight year old, right? That that goes into high school, that goes into an adult. Same with Phil. So we just tried to pick pick out some of those and and try to find the spirit. You know, who kind of brings this. Kind of the 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 beautiful raw side of these characters, especially the kids. I think they do a, a great job as well. But having to kind of embody, okay, what was Phil like at eight nine years old when he didn't wear shoes uh, ever, and he went and hunted. You know, he learned how to hunt so that he could take care of his family, so he could feed his siblings. Yeah. You know, who's going to kind of embody that that grittiness and that reality? So, um, but it was fun. It was fun to put it together for sure. Why? Why did you want to tell this story? And why is it called The Blind? <laughs> so, uh, yep. Um, there was early drafts of the script that we were working on um, that felt much more in the anecdotal, very, very Duck Dynasty, That, as you know, this show, right? Funny stuff and, and all these things. Um, and we were going to kind of go that direction. And then uh, some of us, we... We, we kind of reverted back to, we saw Phil do one of his talks. He does it. One of these big churches, he shares his testimony mm-hmm. and it was just so impactful to hear him again, share this time of his life where we just say, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that that's what you and your family went through. And then look at the fruit of it today. Look at all this, you know, all this stuff. And then, so um, we just felt with where hopefully audiences are at. Now, I don't say hopefully in that way, but like, that it just speaks to them. You know, we've been through some really difficult times the last couple of years, you know, whether it's COVID or, or losing jobs and all this, I think people are really struggling. And so we just kind of came together as a team and said, I, I think people are going to really respond to Phil's, the, the true story, the origin story. And hopefully it, it encourages them and inspires them. It shows them that, by the way, look at Phil, he was a mess. And so God can save you. God can come in your life and change you. Uh, and nobody's too far gone from that. Yeah. Well, and I think to see and, and, and to think back to where Christian television or, or programs that depicted a strong Christian family on reality TV, you know, especially when reality TV is seen so much for, you know, how naked can we get and how vulgar can we be and how drunk are we to see a family? I mean, from, you know, the top down, that it was about prayer and it was about, you know, representing and and doing quality business and, and it was about fun and it was, you know, poking at each other. And, and for someone like myself, who's not very outdoorsy, it was a side of life <laughs> that like I had never seen before. <laughs> so I was like, wow. Right. So, so right. to be able to now see another tier of a family that I, I feel is still on a pedestal for so many of, you know, it's a representation of what a good, strong Christian home can look and feel like if we put God at the center. Well said. I I, I think you're totally right, especially on the outdoorsy thing. Um, <laughs> but, but you're totally right. It, it's a it's a beautiful example, I think. You know, you're going to see the film here, see how God really gets a hold of Phil's life and, and changes everything. It changes everything. The, the entire direction of of not only his 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 marriage, but also his kids, his the the extended family, everybody. 
Um, and so I think when you see this God getting hold of him, and then you just look at, oh, wow, okay, what has this family done since? You know, they've built this business. Um, like you say, they, they've been a model of of what a, a, a Christian household looks like, and, and just a model of how ministry and missions looks like, as they, they're constantly trying to get the gospel out. They're constantly, you know, and and by the way, they're some of the most genuine people I've ever met. It's not a show. It's it's mm-hmm. truly, you know, embedded in them. Um, and so you're right. It, it's it's going to be awesome to see how did God get a hold of Phil and then all the fans of Duck Dynasty to now be able to look back and say, wow, OK, yeah, look, look at how they modeled this and they've been modeling it. It's it's incredible. How does God speak to you when you're directing? Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? You must take this direction. How does that, the feedback from the Lord as you're working, how does that look for you as a director? I I think it's really important. We always, on our sets, we start the day with prayer. We bring, you know, it's not a forced thing. It's whoever wants to join us. And we do it on the set because it's about blessing the space that we're going to spend the next, you know, 18 hours in, 16 hours in, whatever it is. Um, and we just, it's a simple prayer. It's, it's sort of like, we're all here to do the work, Hmm. but you gotta, you gotta help us in that. You gotta show us what you want. I don't know when we start these films, it's two, three years before they ever get into the, you know, into the theaters or or out to the people. So, you know, I don't know what's going to be happening in two, three years. I don't know where people are going to be at or what message they need to hear or they're. And so you just sort of open yourself to that and just say, all right, God, like, you know, so, so you help us, you, you, you drive this. Um, and I think especially when you're dealing with, you know, grittier films, you know, I think Paul Apostle of Christ was the same way, you know, it, it's, it's, you just can't forget that the most important thing is to just start that way, right? Start the day with, all right, God, we are here, we're doing the work, uh, but please help us because we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we are completely unqualified to be able to handle this, these stories. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, and then, I think what's beautiful is you just, like you said, you do, you really do see the Holy Spirit start to move in people. And, Mm -hmm. and we've never met it, made it a requirement that everybody on our sets has to be Christian. Everybody has to come from a certain background, but I'll tell you when you, when you kind of set that up, when you, you let the Holy Spirit move, you let God kind of handle things. It's amazing. The conversations that start coming up, it's amazing how open people start to become with, with, you know, the difficult things in their lives, you know, Oh, you know, I had an alcoholic dad uh, that I don't speak with. And this story, you know, watching Phil's journey, it, it's like encouraging me that maybe I need to reach out and forgive him. I need, you know, there's beautiful things that start to happen, but you, you just kind of have to start it with that. Right. Okay. God, like you do your thing. Uh, you know, we're, we're just the worker bees. So. Amen. Um, what- amazing. How can people invest in the blind and and come see it and be a part of it? How can they be a help to you and get more information? Well, I, I, as I'm sure you hear with all the interviews and the films that you kind of tackle, opening weekend is everything. Yeah. So if you you can, if you've got the time, come out this opening weekend, uh, September 28th. It opens and 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 through the weekend, and and again, just just supporting. These are the stories I think we are all waiting for. These are the stories we want Hollywood to make more of and, and people to make more of. But if if we don't have that support, it's hard to do it. So, But if you go to theblindmovie.com, you can get your tickets. Um, again, it's I think we're in over 1,500, close to 2,000 screens. So it should be wherever you live, wherever you're based, there should be a theater nearby that you can see it in. So, um, But we'd love the support this weekend. 
That's great. So I have to ask, are there cameos from the Robertsons that we can be on the watch for while we're watching this movie? <laughs> There's one or two. They're very okay. subtle. I'll be very okay. curious. No, anybody... that's good. It's the Easter <laughs> eggs that I like. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Little Easter eggs. So good. Um, yeah. Andrew Hyde's been our guest and the movie is called The Blind opening this weekend. Man, thanks so much for your time and what you're doing. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much. And thanks to your audience. We're, we're discussing a lot of fears today. And you know that I would not skydive. Would right. you ever skydive? No, I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just enough afraid of heights that I, I'm good. Like I like sunrises and sunsets from any elevation, but I want to be seated and not able to just like take flight. It's a perfectly good plane. Let's not jump out of it. Exactly. Well, a woman from Colorado who just so happens to be 84 has her sights on skydiving 1,000 times. Her latest trip, she went with her grandson. Now, for a while, she didn't go at all because she used to skydive with her husband. He had mm. a serious accident skydiving. He's now passed away, so she's back at it. More power to Kim Nor. But let me just tell you, I, I have children that have done it and love it, but Wayne and I, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, I understand the adrenaline rush of it, and I applaud that at 84, she's loving that and, and not letting her husband's death keep her from something that she once loved. But you'd also have to think that she does it because she feels closer to him when she does it. That's kind of where my head went as I read this story is just thinking – yeah. You know, like what's the thing that attaches you to your spouse? Why stop? Even when an accident is the reason why they're gone, they went out doing what they love. Right. That's just kind of looking at it from her perspectives rather than us throwing our fears onto her. And going, Don't tell me what not to do. I'm 84. Get out of here. Well, we're going to get out of here as well. And we appreciate you spending time with us. And of course, like, subscribe and follow so you don't miss future episodes and have a great weekend. Thanks to our friends at Birmingham Mortgage Group and my brother's cup. Love you have so a great much. weekend. I love you, you too. too. I'll see you soon. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.